Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, I continue to break down news coming out surrounding the Matthew Kachuk trade and the reported Blues offer and all that stuff because it seems like the details might be a little bit up in the air depending on who you ask in terms of what the Blues actually offered, who was included in the deal, whether or not Matthew Kachuk to the Blues was ever even a realistic possibility, and more. Plus, in the second half of the episode, Dom Lachishirin, last name difficult to pronounce, released a list of the top 10 worst contracts in the NHL, according to one of his analytic models, and a St. Louis Blues defenseman ended up on that list, so stay tuned to find out who that is and whether or not I agree with that take. Gonna be a busy episode, make sure you stay tuned. Gonna be a fun one. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily Blues content. I'm your host, Josh Hyman, as always, and busy episode for you today. Sort of a transitional episode, not a ton of news, like I said. A few more tidbits have come out about the Matthew Kachuk trade, so I'll be giving my thoughts on that. Plus, like I said, talking about certain Blues defensemen and whether or not his contract is one of the worst in the entire NHL. But before I get into any of that, I want to thank anyone out there who has made Locked On Blues your first listen. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Appreciate anyone out there who's making the show part of your daily routine or the YouTube videos as well. Uh, the YouTube channels are doing really well, and I uh, really appreciate all the support there. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, make sure you check it out. Locked on Blues on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the channel there. Hit the like button, comment, all that fun stuff. Uh, you don't want to miss out. You can see my beautiful face every single day. Anyways, so Matthew Kachuk was traded uh, last Friday. I did talk about it on Monday's episode. I gave a lot of my thoughts here. I'm not going to spend a ton of time, you know, repeating myself by any means or anything like that. But I do want to talk about uh, a few a few nuances um, and sort of just go on a deep dive about why we can't always trust the beat writers uh, to be accurate uh, when it comes to reporting these things. Because a lot of people are up in arms uh, with what the Blues reportedly offered, being Vladimir Tarasenko, Marco Scandella, and a first-round pick. However, that might not even be true. Uh, and, you know, I think a perfect example of not taking what beat, repetitor, beat writers say at face value is the Vladimir Tarasenko trade rumor, or not trade rumor, trade request that happened last year. So, you know, obviously last offseason, news broke that Vladimir Tarasenko had requested a trade from the St. Louis Blues, and basically everyone jumped on and said, oh yeah, the trade's going to be happening imminently, going to happen anytime, you know, soon. And we just didn't hear much, didn't get many updates. Uh, and there were some conflicting reports that, you know, it was never actually a trade request. It was more so just, if you want to move on from me, you can move on from me. You know, that being Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, but if you have a plan for me, I'd be happy to be here, etc. You know, the fact that he's still a member of the team, um, shows that maybe that trade request initially reported wasn't as imminent as you know we thought, and that's sort of a good example of how the media and all these articles can stir up a bit of a false sense of um, false sense of of confidence in certain rumors and certain moves. And I think the Matthew Kachuk trade, unfortunately, was a similar incident. Um, there were a couple of tweets that basically said Matthew Kachuk has all the power. 
Uh, I fully expect him to be a St. Louis Blue, if not this season, then by next season. Uh, and it seems like those reports were true. Matthew Kachuk did have all the power, and he initially did have the final say in deciding that he wanted to go to Florida. And one of the reasons was because, uh, reportedly, that the pressure uh, in St. Louis and, and all that stuff would be, you know, his living up to his, his father's image, uh, all the fans, you know, basically rooting for this for years. Part of that, or, or that was part of the reason why he may have chosen Florida over St. Louis. And as unfortunate as it is, it kind of makes sense. You know, he wanted to go somewhere where the pressure wasn't going to be as high. He could, you know, sort of forge his own path and not be living in the shadow of family members and stuff like that. So that makes sense. But though, if that is true, if that really is a reason why he didn't want to come to St. Louis, it goes directly against all the reports that we read that said, oh yeah, this is why he does want to come to St. Louis. So again, when with that, I, this is all leading for me to basically say the whole reported trade offer of Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, Marco Scandella, and a first round pick might not have even been true because according to certain reports, Vladimir Tarasenko was never asked to waive his no-trade clause to Calgary, which means the Blues couldn't have offered him to the Calgary Flames because they wouldn't, they didn't have any sort of confidence that he would even, if they got that trade accepted, that he would even waive that no-trade clause, which would mean if they never asked him to waive his no-trade clause, then that report of this is what the Blues offered is completely false. And this isn't me trying to go on and, and shame Blues beat reporters, um, you know, for getting stuff wrong, it makes sense. You know, you're not gonna, you don't, you don't have a direct line of communication to Doug Armstrong. You're gonna get stuff wrong. You're gonna try to report the facts as best as you can. You know, sometimes maybe they jump the gun a little bit and it sends fans into a frenzy over something that isn't even true. Yeah, maybe that's the case. But more so, the point of me bringing this up is to say we can't. I don't think we can sit here and. and accuse the Blues of doing this and, and be disappointed that they offered that when, in reality, we have no idea how this trade went down. It sounds like Matthew Kachuk might have never even have really wanted to go to the St. Louis Blues. He said, quote, like he, that he could see himself playing there, but at the end of the day, it sounds like he had the final say and he chose Florida. So it might not even have been a matter of, oh, the Blues never offered something good enough or, you know, the Blues... Um, you know, they, they could have had a better offer. Why the heck did they only offer Vladimir Tarasenko and Marco Scandella? The fact of the matter might be that he told them, like, look, if you, if, you know, if you play, if you pull this trade off, go for it, you know, I'll, I'll sign with you, but my preference would be to, to play in Florida. Um, and I don't think he outright, you know, said that he didn't want to play for the Blues and wouldn't be traded there, but I think it, it might not have just been solely the fact that the Blues didn't match the trade offer. I don't know. I think it's unfortunate, you know, it's disappointing that Matthew Kachuk isn't a St. Louis Blue, but maybe it wasn't quite as close as we thought is, is more so the point with that. And that's a, that's a disappointing pill to swallow, but it makes sense. Um, anyways, in this second upcoming segment, I'm going to be reacting to the athletics list of the top 10 worst contracts in the NHL, including one surprising member of the St. Louis Blues. Well, maybe not so surprising for some of y'all, but still... Uh, lots to talk about. Make sure you stay tuned to that. But before I get into that, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline. Now, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. 
BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right, so Dom L, I'm just going to call him Dom L um, because I'm not going to be pronouncing his last name uh, 14 different times in this episode because I'm just going to make a fool out of myself. But there was a tweet published by The Athletic NHL on Twitter um, where Dom came up with a, or not, I don't know if he came up with, but um, used a model that took contracts uh, based off of how much they're paying the players versus how much they produce in value. Uh, and came up with a model that basically assigned a positive or negative dollar value to players based off of how much they are making. And based off of that list, here are his 10 worst contracts in the NHL. There is going to be a blue on that list about, you know, whatever. I'm going to go through the whole list. going to be giving my thoughts on a couple of the players, whether or not I agree. Um, and then after that, uh, focusing on the blues player that ends up on the list. Uh, but I don't want to keep teasing you guys. I'm just going to read the name. So at the 10th spot... 10th worst contract in the NHL, Ben Sherratt, sure, fine. Number nine, Nick Suzuki. Now, here's an interesting one. Uh, He himself, in the article, Dom said, he hopes to be proven wrong on this one. And this is why I don't think we should take this list at complete face value because the model does basically say, or, or the model goes against someone in Nick Suzuki's case who got a contract extension, maybe hasn't quite produced at that value yet, but based on his youth and based on his progression, it is more than likely that he will become a you know a positive value for the contract. It would be like you know if if Robert Thomas got his extension a year prior and didn't have the breakout season yet. You know technically because he's only putting up so many points, he isn't worth eight point five million dollars at that exact instant. But because he's so young. And because he's going to progress, that contract will eventually be worth it. So the, the the metric isn't completely accurate. It's a little flawed. I don't think that Nick Suzuki's actually the ninth worth con- worst contract in the NHL. But regardless, I digress. Number eight would be Zach Wierenski. Fair enough. Number seven, Eric Carlson. Again, fair enough. A guy that um, hasn't really quite returned to form since his injuries at his time was a top three defensemen in the NHL, top one defenseman in the NHL, um, signed with San Jose on a huge, massive deal, but hasn't quite been the same since, uh, hasn't recovered from his injury. Number six, the sixth worst contract in the NHL, according to this list, is Colton Pareko. Well, now, we've been critical of Colton Pareko on this podcast, and a lot of Blues fans are critical of Colton Pareko. Is he the sixth worst contract in the NHL? Maybe. Let me get through the rest of the list, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, number five, Darnell Nurse. Again, he's a good defenseman. Uh, he is making a ton of money, so I could see that. I could justify that. Number four, Mark Edward Vlasic, similar to Eric Carlson. Um, had his peak, got signed to a big, hefty deal as he declined, and has turned into a bit of an albatross of a contract. Number three, Jeff Skinner. Now, this Jeff Skinner thing is interesting. If you guys haven't seen Jeff Skinner's stats over the last four years, they are so bizarre. Four years ago, Jeff Skinner was a 40-goal scorer. He signed a big extension after that. The year after that, he scored like seven goals. And then the year after that, he scored like eight goals. So he had, he went from like 90 points to 20 points to like 35 points. He, he had one really good year and then two mediocre years. And then last season, I'm pretty sure he was like a 30-35 goal scorer again. So Jeff Skinner being at three is, I think, justifiable. But if he does return to form and he does continue to have, you know, 
30 plus goals as his norm uh, and those two back-to-back struggle seasons are outliers, then maybe he, he gets off that list. Number two on the list is Seth Jones, which, haha, Chicago. I mean, I think we all saw that coming the second that he signed the deal. He's a good defenseman. Is he worth uh, the amount that Chicago is paying him? Absolutely not. Is he worth the amount that Chicago is paying him considering they are not even close to a contending team right now? Also absolutely not. And then the number one player on this list is Tyler Sagan. Tyler Sagan listed as the worst contract in the NHL. I want to look up on the fly how he's performed in the last few seasons because that sort of jumped out at me as uh, something that doesn't feel too accurate. He did only have 49 points in his most recent season um, with the Dallas Stars. So maybe that is maybe that is accurate. 49 points, uh, 50 points in 2019-2020, and then he only played three games in 2020 and 2021. So yeah, he hasn't... He hasn't had above 50 points in, in four seasons. So maybe that is uh, an accurate uh, ranking for Tyler Sagan. I don't know. Is it the worst contract in the NHL? Maybe. Maybe not. I mean, he's still clearly a productive player. He is making um, he is making a pretty hefty chunk of money. He's making $9.85 million until the 2027-2028 season. Uh, so... It's 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 definitely debatable that he has the worst contract in the NHL, but anyways, that's not why I wanted to bring up that list. The reason why I wanted to bring up that list and the reason why you guys are probably reacting to this list right now and wanting me to just get to the point is the fact that Colton Pareko was listed as the sixth worst contract in the NHL. Now, Colton Pareko does have a very, 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 very hefty extension um, in terms of years. He is signed for the next like eight years at $6.5 million per year. So, Right off the bat, is Colton Pareko worth $6.5 million? Right now, I would say yes. Even though he is not even close to the player that he once was, and he was in that Stanley Cup run alongside Jay Bomeister, he is still a good defenseman. If you look at you know a lot of stats, minutes played, just the basic level stats, he still looks like a good defenseman. The eye test, it's a little frustrating. You definitely feel like he's not playing up to his potential, but he is a good defenseman. He is a top four defenseman. He has his moments of struggle, absolutely, but he is probably the best defenseman on the St. Louis Blues at defending the rush. Um, he uses his length and his size to tremendous uh, benefit in terms of you know breaking up the rush, stopping two on ones, all that all that sort of stuff. Um, however, the the big issue with Colton Pareko, that's something that a lot of people talk about. I talk about on the show all the time is that he doesn't have a consistent left defenseman partner. Um, when he had Jay Bomeister on his side, he looked like one of the best defensemen in the NHL. When he had Jay Bomeister on his side, there was talks of him um, winning the the Conn Smythe Trophy uh, as the best player on the team when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. That's how good Colton Pareko was. He was like 1A and 1B with Alex Petrangelo creating you know, a dominant, dominant 1-2 punch on the back end. Uh, and ever since then... His really most consistent defensive partner is Marco Scandella, and Marco Scandella's all right. Uh, he had a really good like ten game stretch with Colton Pareko uh, as his partner when he first came over. The Blues won like ten straight, and that was great. Uh, but other than that, he's been underwhelming. Colton Pareko spent a little bit of time playing with Nick Letty, which 
in all honesty, is probably the exact type of player Colton Prego needs to play alongside to be a good defenseman. He needs someone who can sort of take away some of the offensive capabilities. Like Colton Prego is a great skater. He's a great puck mover. But when he's asked to be this defensive workhorse and then also pass the puck on breakouts and, and play offense, that's when he really str- begins to struggle defensively because he gets a little bit out of position. He tries to do it all because um, he feels like he's forced to do it all. Uh, and that's when he kind of falters defensively. If Colton Prego is able to sort of take a step back offensively and, and rely on his other D partner to sort of be the, the offensive initiator in terms of the, the defenseman out there, then Colton Prego really shines defensively. And I honestly think we saw flashes of that when he was playing limited minutes with Nick Letty. Um, and I think a defenseman of Nick Letty's role uh, is perfect in terms of, you know, helping Colton Pareko, uh reach his full potential but I don't know if Nick Letty is good enough to play first pairing minutes alongside Colton Pareko even though Colton Pareko was technically on the second pairing I think if paired with a proper you know defenseman that really complements his game a Jay Bowmeister type Colton Pareko could be the number one defenseman on this team but for now you know they're the team doesn't do a good job of supporting him in terms of giving him a consistent solid D partner um and that's definitely a knock on his game as well that he kind of needs to be sheltered in that sense, but I just don't think the Blues are maximizing him right now, and I hope a full season with this defensive core next year will allow him to get back to that form and, you know, get off that list of worst contracts in the NHL. Uh, Anyways, in this third and final segment, I'm going to kind of wrap up everything that I've been talking about on today's episode, so make sure you stay tuned. Be right back. All right, so in this third and final segment, I'm going to kind of just do a quick little rant on the state of the St. Louis Blues defense because it's a hot topic, um, especially with the with not trading for Matthew Kachuk. A lot of people were like, well, then if you didn't trade for Matthew Kachuk, why the heck didn't you go out and get uh, a top defenseman? Um, I've said this before, and I'm going to repeat it. I have a lot of faith the Blues are going to be significantly better defensively this season than they were last season, and that isn't just to do with the defenseman that they have. Now, the fact that, you know, Nick Letty is now going to have a full offseason to um, work with the St. Louis Blues and, you know, a full season to come in and, and, and you know, get comfortable with the other defensemen and, and you know, Colton Pareko hopefully, hopefully has a full season to recover, you know, injury-free. He's dealing with a bit of back issues in the past, so he hasn't had a ton of, like, off-seasons to fully ramp up. You know, that could be a good one. Uh, Tory Crew getting fully healthy, another big one. Scott Perunovich progressing. All of those are reasons why I think the Blues defense can be a little bit better than it was last year. Um, however, the biggest thing for me, even though the Blues did lose David Perron, um, they added to their forward core when it comes to defense. Uh, they definitely lost a step offensively with their forward core, but I think that they got a lot better defensively with the, the names that they added to that bottom six. Um, and, you know... Josh Levo, uh, Nola Shari, um, Martin Furk, uh, you know, guys that are in the AHL right now, like Matt Kessel, even uh, Will Bitten. All of those names are guys that are very, very competent defensively as well as offensively, if offensively at all. Nola Shari, especially, I think is going to do wonders for the Blues defense um, from that forward position. And the reason why I think that this is going to be such a big help is I think Justin Falk and those guys were great. You know, Tory Krugs of the world were great, but when the Blues really struggled was with that third pairing, and and you know when they started getting injury depth, and they would play, and they would play like their third line who wasn't as defensive base as it nearly is in the past, along with their third defensive pairing, 
the Blues really struggled uh, to keep the puck out of their own net. But now you hope that when the Blues have their weakest defenseman out on the ice, they're also going to have their best defensive line, whether that be one anchored by Ryan O'Reilly or one of the two bottom six lines, which I think are going to be very, very solid defensively next season. So I have I have high hopes, definitely still disappointed with the way that the defense looks after this offseason. I would have liked to see it be upgraded a lot more, but number one defensemen don't grow on trees. You know, you would have had to give up an arm and a leg, especially with what defensemen were getting in free agency. Um, so it's going to be a matter of time just to see, you know, how this team looks, what they end up doing. Um, but it's going to be an interesting year. I think, I think the Blues have kind of taken one step forward and two steps back almost in terms of losing Perron, but adding to their bottom six and losing Billy Huso. So there are a lot of variables, you know, is Bennington going to be a a full-time starter? Is the defense going to play better? Is the offense going to have more consistency in the defensive end? Is the offense going to repeat their tremendous scoring depth, having 820 goal scorers? All of those are really what it comes down to when it's, when you're thinking about whether or not the Blues are going to have success next season. So only way you're going to find out my reaction to that is by hitting that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to me on, because that is all the time I have for you all today. So make sure you, like I said, follow or subscribe whatever podcast platform, leave a review if you're feeling so kind. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like I said, at Locked On Blues. You can follow all of our social accounts, Locked On Blues, on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can follow me on Twitter, at Josh Hammond NHL. Thank you all so much for listening, and as always, let's go Blues.